Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Racetrack. I am Molly Joe Rosen alongside some amazing friends on the Believe Network, the number one podcast platform for professionals. So we're pretty much a week out to the Kentucky Derby, and it's time to take another look at the field. Whether or not you're looking to make a wager, it's an absolutely awesome day of racing that you can catch on NBC. They're going to tell you a whole bunch of backstories on these ponies, so let's see if you can impress your friends with some expert knowledge when you're gathered around the television. Quick recap, the Derby is a race for three-year-olds going a mile and a quarter on dirt. Girls can run in the Derby, though boys cannot run in the Oaks, which is a very interesting angle this year we'll talk about in a moment. And the 20 horses who will load into the gate on the first Saturday in September of this year will have had less than a one-tenth of a percent of a chance of doing so when their mama met their papa in a breeding shed somewhere on this planet four years ago. Before we get rolling down the list of the official Derby leaderboard, no matter how you found us, and I'm certainly glad you did, thank you in advance for liking and subscribing and commenting and sharing and whatever else it is you can do from whatever podcast platform you found us on. Plus, you can join the conversation and tell us what you want to know and who you want to hear from at beyondtheracetrack.com. Now, let's load into the gate and get to talking ponies. This is a funky time to be a sports fan, right? NBA, MLB, NHL, tennis, golf, horse racing, everyone's sort of back and there is betting to be done. This is where our partners at BetOnline have you covered. Check out BetOnline.ag for all the fun. Creating and funding my account took me all of two minutes and the sign-up bonuses are pretty darn good. 50% match on sports, 100% match on casino and poker, and there's even a bonus for depositing with Bitcoin. I personally like to look for bet types I haven't placed in a while. This week, I found the football futures section. As someone who kicked tail feathers in my fantasy football league for a few years straight, this is so up my alley. Even cooler than the NFL prop bets are the NC2A football futures you can play. Been looking for a way to bet who'll be the SEC East champs before the, okay, even if, the season even starts? Guess where you can. That's right. BetOnline.ag. Go sign up and you too can have all the fun. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Remember to wager responsibly. As we talked about a few weeks ago, the Derby starters qualify by running in races held around the world that are assigned a points value down to fourth place. Early races on the trail were worth 50 to the winner. As we got closer to the race, most were about 100 points to the winner. This year has sort of thrown that concept a curveball. Yes, there is a points leaderboard, but attrition along the road to the Derby for a variety of reasons means horses with very few points are going to be running. Usually the bottom threshold is 20 to 25 points. This year it will take literally zero to get in. 
Currently, there are 21 horses on the official list sent around by Churchill Downs. No fewer than 20 horses have entered each year since 2004, coincidentally my first derby in person, so the idea that just two more opting out would leave an empty stall in the fancy new, specially built gate that Churchill bought for the occasion early in the year, back before we had to reschedule, is interesting. One major difference between this year and all prior 145 runnings is that since we're doing this in September versus May, horses who are late to develop and would never have made the field will this year. It'll be interesting to see how much of a factor this becomes when breeding rights are sold and we start talking about the winner's viability as a stallion if it turns out to be a horse who wasn't terribly precocious. Getting back to that leaderboard thing for just a sec, I actually sort of like that it doesn't so much matter this year, that horses with zero points are getting to run, if only because, and this is quite a misconception I hear a lot, earning the most points on the trail only earns you the right to get in the gate. There is no preferential treatment that comes from it. This is yet another reason to remind everyone what the video at the Derby Museum says that's so, so, so true. It's not necessarily the best horse who wins. It's the best horse in those conditions in that two minutes. You can't win if you ain't in the gate, so kudos to all the connections who take the shot. Pretty much the official doc that the Derby Media Department sends around is a mass of strike-through horse names. Why? Well, consider that just a few weeks ago we had 31 horses on the leaderboard and we're now at 21. There were actually more, but they've ducked out due to injury or not being competitive enough or because the calendar got so weird there weren't enough races on the docket. I'm used to seeing the big whiteboard on the backstretch of Derby Week, the one that says where every horse is and what their routine is every day, get heavily edited. But the leaderboard doc, like everything else this year, this is a new one. So let's talk about the horses you need to know. Your points leader, and without question your morning line and should-be post-time favorite, is Tis the Law, a strapping New York-bred son of Constitution out of the stakes-winning mare Tis Fizz. The big old bay with the beautiful white blaze is trained by Barkley Tag for owner Sacatoga Stable. If those connections sound familiar, this is the same team that was behind 2003 Kentucky Derby winner Funnyside. Barkley has prepped this horse old school and he's responded beautifully. The last breeze over the weekend was in the dark in Saratoga and absolutely textbook what you want to see from your derby favorite. One question will be how he handles the shipping south, but I anticipate, like most of the tag contingent I've seen over the years, he'll settle in just fine. Up next is Authentic. Here's a horse who sort of bridges that did-he-didn't-he-need-the-extra-time thing. The leggy son of Into Mischief has one lone loss in his five-race career. He debuted a winner last November, then won the Sham in January, then won the San Felipe, before getting a bit of a break. He then came back a little too keyed up for the Santa Anita Derby and ran on pretty well to finish a strong second to honor AP. Then he shipped out to Monmouth to win the Haskell. I personally have questions about Into Mischief Babies getting the full distance of the Kentucky Derby and Authentic's antics on the Jersey Shore, you know, where he opened up on the field and kind of twiddled his thumbs doing it so easy and nearly got nailed on the wire, worries me in a full field of 20 horses like he'll face next weekend. Next is a horse who will take a lot of local money in Louisville. Art Collector is a homebred for Bruce Lunsford, a man who has long supported the game and has seen some wonderful success over the years. 
Art Collector is a son of Bernardini out of Lunsford's graded stakes placed mare Distorted Legacy. Here's a horse who didn't quite have the whole I'm a racehorse thing figured out in his five starts last year against decent but non-stakes company. Getting six months off from November to May gave Art Collector a chance to grow mentally and physically and voila! He's now rolled off four wins in a row, including the Bluegrass and the Ellis Park Derby. It's easy to chalk this up to development and good luck, but there's a lot to be said about the quality of horsemanship it takes to take a non-performing horse your gut is screaming has the ability and get him to the game's biggest stage. And it's really cool to see Tommy Drury getting the credit he deserves because Tommy kind of toiled in the shadows of the game for a long time and is rightfully so getting his due now with a really cool horse who has done everything right on the trail recently. Moving on to the fourth horse on the points leaderboard, Honor AP has a classic blue blood pedigree by Honor Code out of the fantastic Mayor Hollywood story, who he looks a lot like, by the way. She won four graded stakes herself, and she's thrown some nice horses already. He was clearly always a looker. Consider he cost his owners a whopping $850,000 the same week that Tis the Law was purchased for one ten. Trainer John Sheriffs already has a derby win, 2005, with Giacomo, and it's no surprise he's bringing another horse to Churchill. Honor AP is a really neat horse, and he is proof that you don't have to win every race to be top class. You just have to show up and run your race every time. Now we get to New York traffic. A pretty gray son of cross traffic, who is the first foal out of a lightly raced mare, didn't sell for 27k as a two-year-old in training, must have been purchased privately, and has gone on to earn $565,000 to date. Not a bad investment. Trained by Safi Joseph Jr., New York traffic is one of the more heavily raced horses pointing to this year's derby. With nine starts and only two wins, it's his three straight runner-up efforts at three different tracks coming into this race that will catch the eye. This is a horse that almost caught authentic in the Haskell, so it's pretty much guaranteed if he trains even mildly well that this will be one of the top wise guy horses because the race record suggests he's got the talent if he can just get the additional oomph of heart it takes to get his nose down first on the line. Speaking of wise guy horses, King Guillermo is, well, king of that brigade. Here's a horse who has been at Churchill since literally the day after what should have been Kentucky Derby Day in the spring. He's looked great in workouts and certainly has an interesting record. His only off-the-board finish was his debut almost a year ago, which is entirely forgivable at this point. My question, and I'm per a person who likes when trainers get unconventional like this, but it's whether that four-month vacation gave him the time to mature physically, but where is he at mentally? Trainer Juan Avila hasn't even worked him in company, that I've seen at least, so watching how he handles a full field might get interesting. On the genetics front, he is the first American-born son of a Dixieland band mare who's thrown a few winners over in Ireland. He's a son of Uncle Mo, who would have been the Derby favorite a few years back and has stamped himself as an outstanding sire. Thousand Words is sitting seventh on the points list. Son of the freaky fast sprinter Pomeroy's Pistol, a multiple graded stakes winner with one of the shiniest coats I have ever seen on a racehorse. He is by Pioneer of the Nile, a stallion who's already thrown a triple crown winner in American Pharaoh. So it's no surprise that Albaugh Family Stables and Spendthrift Farm went to a flat $1 million for him as a yearling. Thousand Words rattled off three straight wins to start his career, then 
seemed headed to bounce out of the Derby picture in the spring before coming back with a runner-up effort behind a stable mate in the Low Sal Derby and getting his neck down over Honor AP in the shared belief stakes as his final prep. He's plenty seasoned race-wise, but he's only faced six rivals total in his last two starts. So you gotta ask, how will he fare when there's 19 other horses in the gate? Up next is Dr. Post, a $200,000 weanling and $400,000 yearling. This son of quality rode out of the stakes-winning mare Mary Delaney, won the unbridled stakes at Gulfstream earlier this, earlier this year, and has since been runner-up in the Belmont and third in the Haskell. Max Player is just another strikingly handsome son of honor code that could make the Derby gate. He is from a family of horses who kind of just seem to find the winner's circle. Mama was a stakes winner, and all six of her foals to race have had their photo taken. Five of them were stakes winners, in fact. Sort of like New York traffic with the really good also-ran stats, Max Player won the Grade 3 Withers in February and then has come back from the COVID spring break with a bout of third-itis. Because of this, owner George Hall made the kind of controversial decision to move Max Player from Linda Rice's barn into Steve Asmussen's. Now, there is some precedent for this sort of thing, though usually it's because of a private purchase. War Emblem won the 2002 Kentucky Derby for Bob Baffert, who had only had the horse for two weeks, and actually involving Steve Asmussen himself, when Rachel Alexander was purchased post-Kentucky Oaks win, she moved into the Asmussen barn for the Preakness, then rattled off her string of big wins. By the way, this is not an endorsement for the big race, but Max Player has looked really good in the morning gallops I've seen. He's got this real big rangy stride, and he just seems to float over the ground. Then there's Enforceable, who is out of one of the prettiest mares I have ever had the pleasure of trying to buy in Just Whistle Dixie. This makes him a half-brother to 2013 Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner New Year's Day and 2016 Derby fourth-place finisher Mohamed. Enforceable is a very well-raced son of Tappet for trainer Mark Cassie, who took most of last summer to get his first win, then sort of put it together against, against good horses in the spring before coming back with a solid effort off the four-month layoff to run fourth in the bluegrass. Then we talk about Rushy, a son of Liam's map, who's rounding into late season form with a pair of thirds against stakes horses. There's also Major Fed for trainer Greg Foley, who has opted, like Avila with King Guillermo, to train up to the Derby off his runner-up effort in the Indiana Derby. Then, making a revision to the revision of the official leaderboard because he was stricken through a few months back and has been unlined through in the last week or so, is your Breeders' Cup juvenile winner, Storm the Court. The son of Court Vision, trained by Pete Ayrton, didn't start the Derby Trail super well, with some forgettable also-ran showings in the San Vicente and San Felipe, and could only muster finishing third in the Ohio Derby, before a runner-up effort stretching out on the lawn at Del Mar earlier this month. Given his daddy, I'd be super curious to see a turf career for Storm the Court. Unfortunately, that's the wrong surface for the Kentucky Derby, but it's cool to once again wonder if the old curse of Juvie to Derby could again be broken. Next, we have another local favorite in attachment rate for Dale Romans. The son of Hardspun has been decent against decent Midwestern-based runners. Remember when I said it would only take two scratches to be under a field of 20? Well, Sol Volante is super questionable in my book. A horse who threw quite a clunker in the Belmont, took a few weeks off of working, and is now breezing at Palm Meadows pretty consistently. Sort of like King Guillermo, you gotta wonder if the layoff is a good thing. Next up, there's allowance winner Finnick the Fierce, who qualified with a second in the Kentucky Jockey Club last year and a third in the Arkansas Derby. 
now we get to a few horses we haven't talked about before because, well, they were nominated, but pointsless or really close to it. Winning impression for West Point Thoroughbreds and Dallas Stewart is a horse you could have purchased when he won an $80,000 claiming race back in April. They've tried him on the Derby Trail at Indiana and Ellis Park with no real success, but this is the same crew who brought exact a boxcar upsetting commanding curve to the Derby a few years ago, so dismiss them and this horse at your own peril. Next up is Necker Island. Speaking of claimable ponies, Chris Hartman and the ownership group picked this son of hard spun up two races back for $100,000 at Churchill, and he rolled off back-to-back thirds at Indiana and Ellis since. Not too bad. Unfortunately, he hasn't won since November, but silver lining, his two wins in 10 career starts both come under the twin spires of Churchill Downs. Just as enforceable has a beautiful pedigree with a mare I only semi-stalked because I loved her so much, meet Cheryl Spite, a homebred for Charles Fifty out of the absolute rock star racehorse that was Perfect Cheryl. Trained by the legendary Roger Atfield, this son of Spitestown has two starts and two wins under his girth, but by a combined nearly 11 lengths. Again, this year, the revised timing has allowed horses who would never have had a chance to get into the Derby gate the chance to run. Lastly, sitting at 21 of 21 right now, there is the other Todd Pletcher pony. Money Moves for Bob LaPenta and Partners is a neck away from undefeated in three career starts. The son of Candy Ride has to overcome a tendency to find troubled trips, though. You know, when we last looked at the field, I spoke about the Kenny McPeak-trained Philly Swiss skydiver and that she was looking at taking on the boys in the Derby. Well, Kenny made the call that she's staying with her own kind and going to try to turn the tables on Gamine on the first Friday in September in the Oaks. However, that didn't stop Kenny from pranking the heck out of the media and fans by sending Swiss skydiver out to work over the weekend in her Derby saddlecloth. I get it. It was made for her, and it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, so like a perfect pair of Labutans, it'd be a shame if they just sat idle in the closet. As we get into the gallop-out portion of today's show, much appreciation, as always, to my tiny production crew and the good folks at the Believe Network for the chance to share this show with y'all. Remember to like and comment and subscribe and share and whatever else you can do from whichever platform you're listening on. If there's something about horse racing you want to know more about, drop us a note at ask at beyondtheracetrack.com or any of our socials, all of which can be found on beyondtheracetrack.com. I am Molly Jo Rosen, and I will see you back here next week as we once again go Beyond the Racetrack. This is going to be a wild ride. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.